The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to discuss Winter is Coming, this week's edition of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into the action, Mike, how's it going? It's good. It's going. Uh, it's going good, dude. I am uh, recovering from a bad ear infection, so I only have the headphone on one ear right now. And I don't know about you, but ear infections are the worst. Everything about them just sucks. But um, other than that, doing good. I had a nice, relaxing Thanksgiving last week, which you know, everything going on in the world with COVID. You know, it was it was nice to just have a a relaxing evening. Watch my Cowboys get whooped by the Washington football team. We're well on our way to that top five draft pick. And uh, yeah, you know, not, not, not much to say. It was weird not recording last week. As yeah, I was that was, <laughs> it's, it's been, you know, two weeks, almost a year that we've been recording an episode every single week. So it was strange to not sit down and do that. Um, so I have a, I have a take. I don't know if it's a hot take, if it's a cold take, if it's a lukewarm take. Uh, but my take is uh, best Thanksgiving ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, we did a really, 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 really small thing. It was just me and my sister and my wife. And so it's just like our tiny little bubble. So just the three of us. And we did only things that we wanted to do. Uh, which was delightful and just such a change from what my expectation of holidays usually is. It's like all of these prescribed, these things must happen in this order and tradition, tradition, tradition. So uh, it felt good to like, you know, oh, we don't like these dishes. We're not going to cook them. We like these dishes. We're going to cook these instead. Um, So like we didn't do turkey. We did a roast chicken and it was phenomenal. So uh, yeah, great time. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, I I won't get into specifics, but I always kind of thought of a tradition of Thanksgiving was fighting with a family member. And that didn't happen this year. And it was kind of nice. <laughs> I just assumed that if it was Thanksgiving, I was fighting with someone. So um, no fights this year. So thumbs up to that. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, man, how, how, how have you, how have you been? Um, you know, I'm doing okay. I, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast or not, like I screwed up my ankle back at the beginning of November (laughs) and I thought I was fine. So I started like working out and running again and I jacked it up all over again. So, uh, so I haven't been running or working out for, over a week at this point, almost two weeks, and I'm kind of going a little bit crazy. I like deeply feel the need to go running, and uh, I can't right now. So um, I'm trying to like really be disciplined and take my time and let it fully, fully heal up uh, before I uh, get back out on the trails. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the main thing. Other than that, like I'm still playing Hades. I just went over a hundred 
runs through of the game. I was I, I've you know beaten the final boss thirty six times at this point. So Jesus, I mean it's 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 a short game. You know, it, it only takes if if you're successful, it takes between twenty and forty minutes to make a run through all the zones of the game and beat the final boss. So it, it it's not like I'm playing an insane amount, but um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. So really highly recommend it. It's it's my game of the year this year, and it's probably in my like top five all time. I just I don't remember having this much fun playing a game that's such a short loop and playing it for so long. And I haven't stopped to play anything else since I got it. So it's it's really uh, taken over. Well, I know I know you love it, which means I won't play it for about five years. So we'll. I'll enjoy it. I'll enjoy it at that point. And we have mentioned on the show before that when Joel recommends something to me, it sometimes takes me a long time to actually do it. So I'll get there eventually, dude. Yeah. I tend to decide like in the moment, whether I'm ever going to like experience a thing that you recommend to me. And if I decide I'm going to, I'm usually pretty good about doing it quickly. Uh, but oftentimes I'll just be like, yeah, that's not for me. And I'll just never touch it ever. So yeah. Yeah. Me, uh, me, slightly different. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds good. And then I'll wait five years to check it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think on that note, dude, you ready to dive into <laughs> this crazy episode of Dynamite? Yeah, let's talk Winter is Coming. The Dynamite that was. Well, winter arrived in Jacksonville, Florida, where it was between 30 and 40 degrees for the duration of the show, which kicked off with the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, where MJF and Orange Cassidy advanced to face off for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. After this, we got treated to a singles match between Le Champion, Chris Jericho, and Frankie Kazarian of SCU. Jericho uh, won the match, but what was significant was all of the outside of the ring drama involving members of the inner circle. Next up, uh, we got a promo from The Acclaimed, cutting a promo on the Young Bucks, Doctor of Thugonomics style. (laughs) After this was the advertised match between Britt Baker and Layla Hirsch, Britt Baker getting the pinfall victory, or sorry, submission victory in that match. And after this, Inner Circle drama continued backstage with Chris Jericho announcing that a decision will be made next week as to whether the Inner Circle is going to stay together or disband forever. Next up was the tag team match between Powerhouse Hobbs and Absolute Ricky Starks taking on the team of Cody Rhodes and Darby Allin. The babyfaces got the victory in this match and there was an after-match kerfuffle in which uh, Arn Anderson was being menaced by members of Team Taz, and the lights went out, and who should arrive but the icon himself, Stink. <laughs> oh, man, keep going. After this match was uh, a promo from Hikaru Shida discussing the challenge laid out by Abaddon, and after this was a promo from John Moxley promoting the main event, which started at 9.22 p.m. That was when the segment began. 
Mox versus Omega for the AEW Championship in a long match that took nearly 30 full minutes on the broadcast. Kenny Omega got the victory, walked out AEW champion, and fled the arena with Don Callis. Don Callis stating to Alex Marvez that if you want to find out what's going on with the AEW championship, tune in to Access TV on Tuesday night to see Impact Wrestling. <laughs> uh, I got so enthralled with what you were saying, I forgot to do the drop, but... Stock up, stock down. Let's start there, dude. Holy shit. It seems AEW and Impact are in bed together. Joel, we've we've been talking about this Kenny Omega and Don Callis stuff on and off for the last few um, weeks. What was your initial reaction to how Dynamite went off the air? Just elated. I was so happy. Um, I've already been thinking about taking up impact as like my second brand since I don't watch the other wrestling company at all anymore. And I don't watch ring of honor at all anymore. I don't even watch new Japan anymore, which is kind of sad, but it's just so hard to, to keep up with. And so seeing that, you know, impact is here, impact is thriving. And now this angle with Kenny Omega and Don Callis, it just, it really solidified for me. Okay, I have to figure out how to watch Impact because I don't know. <laughs> and I'm going to have to start checking it out. I, I thought the match was great. I, I love that Kenny won. It's what I wanted. I like that he was, you know, a mega heel. And I love that the match just went right into where we're going next and creating this question of what is the deal? What's the relationship between Kenny Omega and Don Callis, and where are we going from here? Yeah, man. Uh, if you if you didn't hear the Impact website crashed last night because people were go- trying to get to their site to see what was going on, uh, wrestlers from both AEW and Impact were tweeting dream matches they would want to see. Um, Jordan Grace listed a whole thread of matches she would want to see in the women's division. Uh, I think I saw someone tweeting machine, uh, Motor City Machine Guns and Young Bucks. Like, I don't know if we're getting a full-fledged crossover or if it's just going to be some sort of, you know, talent exchange. But either way, it is, it is fantastic news. And we... You've you've been a Don Callis guy for a long time. You introduced him to me. We've listened to his podcast that he used to do with Lance Storm. Um, and so to see him become this kind of power broker in the wrestling scene is just incredible. And it really does seem like with AEW being the promotion on national TV, on a major network, that some sort of indie alliance could happen where AW is the way to highlight these wrestlers to the world. And then you have it kind of trickle down to these other promotions. Cause they still have their partnership that, you know, they're still doing stuff with NWA. We have the NWA women's champion on AEW. Uh, we know that they're now doing stuff with impact Kenny and 
Moxley are rumored to be still doing stuff with NJPW. Moxley is the United States champion, for God's sakes. And Kenny's going to defend the AAA Super Mega title, whatever that's called, in Mexico, like next week. So they have all these promotions that they're working with, and it seems they're just taking it even a step further here with Impact, and it's so incredibly exciting. Well, this kind of collaboration is something that, you know, you and I have talked about a lot and how much we want to see this, you know, wrestling gets stale when the roster is the same and you eventually get into, you know, okay, we've seen these matches before. We've seen all of these ideas play out. You know, we need something new. We need something fresh. And I I think that, having talent exchanges between these companies or even just having cross promotional pay-per-views where you get to build up these feuds between all these major factions and teams and individuals. It's a great way to actually have a rising tide that, that lifts all boats. Um, so I'm very excited for the potential of, what this partnership could be. Um, Don Callis is an interesting figure in all of this because he left wrestling for a long time. And in the time that he wasn't in wrestling, he got degrees in, I believe, international business and an MBA. So he spent time in the corporate world and understands like how to make money outside of the perspective of the traditional carny wrestling setup. And so when he took over at Impact, you know, and he talked about this publicly, that he his vision for it was to apply what he knew from the business world to uh, a pro wrestling product in order to not create something that was possessive, but create something that could collaborate and build to even bigger heights. And I think that philosophy is what we're seeing in action here. Yeah, I don't know if you've been locked in on his Twitter here the last 24 hours, but he posted a picture of Trust the Invisible Hand, which is a laissez-faire economic uh, philosophy, and now he is the Invisible Hand on Twitter. So if his whole thing is that he's maneuvering and making moves behind the scenes, that's really interesting here. and. I think I think it's just incredible. And and we really haven't even talked about Kenny Omega being our new AEW world champion. Joel, we talked for months. Don't pick against Moxley unless he's facing one of two people. And it 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 we felt it was predictable, but it was a extremely fun match. To me, probably the one of the top two or three matches we've seen on Dynamite. And just Got to see some really good work from these two guys. What were your impressions of the championship match itself? I mean, it's it's what you would expect. It was a hard-hitting match. I was, you know, the chops that just resonate throughout the amphitheater there and seeing the close-up shots and seeing how red these guys' chests were, you know, three minutes into the match. And it's like, damn, they are beating the hell out of one another And then later on in the match, they got into, uh, you know, exchange of blows uh, where they're both sweating so much that every time they hit each other, there was a cloud of mist that went flying. And, you know, it was 
you know, it very much was a strong style match. It wasn't like a crazy high flying affair. You know, the thing about Kenny Omega as a performer is that he's a chameleon. He is going to work in a style that matches well with the person he's in the ring with because he wants to make himself look good, but he wants to make them look good. It doesn't matter who you beat if who you beat is a scrub. So, you know, it's you got to put the other guy over. And I think Kenny did a really good job of that. Uh, The cheating to win thing, I mean, doesn't bother me and I wasn't surprised. But, you know, I like a clean, clean finish. So that was a little bit of a bummer. But I think they were kind of in a tight spot, you know, because with a match like this where it's it's always going to be a little bit boring if titles are retained. But then when the title change feels so telegraphed, it's like, how do you surprise people? So, you know, the match going the way that it did, you could argue that the surprise in the match was Kenny resorting to dirty tactics. And then, you know, immediately after the match, give a huge surprise. So um, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, same here. And I don't think I've, I know you always talk about how the V trigger, you know, it doesn't look as bad as it really is. I think I got a concussion watching some of the V triggers that were thrown throughout this match. And God, the one off the Tope Suicida, like that has to be perfect. You, you miss time that and it's going to look atrocious and geez, the ripcord V trigger, you know, doing a little mm-hmm. Okada, uh, thing and also i love that they kept they referenced okado multiple times last night and the swerve being impact instead of njpw i just thought that was that was interesting um but yeah i i i didn't mind the cheating at all you know i i think it's kind of the exclamation point to this character shift we've seen from kenny omega kind of the new AEW omega and i was i was convinced that it was going to be the young bucks coming out and we were going to get NJPW Omega Bucks again. And you know what? Looking back, that probably was a, a poor take because these guys don't want to do the same things they were doing before. Um, everything we've seen from Kenny Omega here the last few weeks, you know, felt like it was going to be that. But I did not expect the direction that they went in, and I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, I think it was time for a new champ. You know, we we talked about in the summer, we thought Brian cage was like the perfect person to take it off of him. And then when that didn't happen, it kind of felt, okay, when's this going to happen? So I think the time was right. Uh, it's obviously, I don't think it's over. I think they could very easily run this back and do a rematch at revolution if they wanted to. Um, but it's Omega is going to be a great champion. We know he can carry a company. It's going to be really fun to see what Moxie does now. Sans belt because I remember I wasn't a big fan of his pre-title reign in AEW. You know he had the big match with Kenny and that was about it. So um, I'm excited to see where both of these things go. Um, anything else about the big impact of Impact or the championship match itself? I mean I think we could talk about it for the entire show if we wanted to, but there was another huge, huge moment on this show, and that was the arrival of Sting and. With, with regards to this, I have a question for you, and it's a question I've been asking myself. Does it matter? Do you care if he ever gets in the ring and wrestles a match? No. 
I, I don't think that's the point here, even though it's come out that he has signed a multi-year full-time contract and they intend to use him as a full-time character on TV. Um, you know, he's he's 61, you know, he's an older guy. We know wrestling, you can work later into your life if you want to. We've seen plenty of guys do it. I think the biggest thing here is that he is a huge recognizable name. I had friends who haven't watched wrestling in a decade text me today because they saw Sting on Twitter. They saw Sting on Facebook. Um, so, and I love I loved the kind of, you know, uh, like the the sentimental thing here, the last WCW match on TNT was Sting. And now he's back on TNT almost 20 years later. And his WWE run, you know, it never felt truly right. You know, the fact that he lost his only WrestleMania match was disappointing. Um, you know, and if, if he if he works a match here or there, I think it, it's going to work how they want it to. Um, but if he can be this veteran presence on the show, veteran presence in the locker room. I don't see how it can be a bad thing. And I think Cody Rhodes has talked about how his dream match is with Sting. And if this leads to a a match between those two, what an incredible moment that's going to be. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's ultimately where I landed on this as well. Like, Wrestling isn't about matches. Wrestling is about moments. And oftentimes moments are created by matches, but they don't have to be. Last night when Sting appeared was a moment. And it's out. something that it, it even if it had been a one-off, it still would have been one of my favorite memories from this first full year of Dynamite being on television because that's how much I love Sting and it felt significant. Uh, and, you know, there's kind of a cool angle to it as well of Sting came to the rescue of Arn Anderson. That's kind of wild. You know, they were <laughs> always on opposite sides of, uh, you know, the four horsemen and the the good guys that were, you know, always led by Surfer Sting. So, you know, there is a very rare circumstance for those two to be aligned with one another. And that was kind of neat, but I just, you know, it's one of those things that makes you feel like a kid. You see one of your heroes appear live on television on a current product. So I was stoked and I just, I'm excited for whatever comes next. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, I do think he will end up, wrestling uh, at least a few matches but just having him around and showing up with you know the makeup and the coat and the bat like the whole thing i loved his music uh i oh, had yeah. you know it wasn't even on my radar that sting could be at this show that that was a possibility even though i'd heard his name bandied about a few times recently well, his name his name's been linked to him since his legends deal expired in may and i think that's one of the more impressive things about this they could have used him at any point over the last six months and they had the restraint to kind of wait and drop it right here like i don't know i just i, I our history of being a wrestling fan i just feel like the other company would have rushed it would have done it right away would have would have been able to hide it like I had 
no, like, and you know, I read dirt sheets. You don't read them as much as I do, but I read dirt sheets and like, I saw nothing about Sting appearing last night. So it was a legit surprise for me. And to my I think from knowledge, a- there's, there's only been like one major leak with AEW, AEW? since it started. And that was a couple of weeks ago, like, like a, about a month ago, I think. Which uh, was which, one what, of their pre-taped shows. To? The results oh, were... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like even even Brian Cage's debut, we were blown away. We didn't expect that. Ricky Starks um, showing up. Like they've done a good job at keeping things tight-lipped. Um, I wonder if that just comes with time. You know, the bigger you get, the more more leaks you could possibly have. But um, yeah, so it, it was great. And I, I think my favorite thing about it is just visually, you know, they had the fake snow coming down during the intro. The music was perfect. The lighting was perfect. He looked like an absolute badass. And like just some of the camera shots they got, like there's a, I'm looking at a picture where it's Cody's Cody's on the t- the corner and the camera's behind Cody's head and you just see sting like looking down on him. Like it just from a, a production standpoint, they nailed everything about this debut. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Like just one of the largest looming characters in the history of professional wrestling and someone that I honestly never thought I would see again in a current product. Uh, I thought he was done and gone after that last match with Seth Rollins, which by the way, I loved that story. Uh, Oh yeah. I thought that was incredible. And the match itself obviously was disappointing because Sting got injured partway through, but he has such charisma to be, and, and such gravity to be able to elevate stories and feuds and just having him around, even if he never wrestles is going to be huge for AEW. Yeah, man. And just even the fact that, Darby Allen was in the ring with this and they had that like little stare down that alone just continues to raise what Darby Allen is in the wrestling industry. Now, like they treated Darby like he was like top two or three guy in the company by giving him that moment, that little brief stare down. So it's, yeah, he, he can just help raise um, the profile of some young guys, even that alone is uh is worth it and i guarantee he can work he he looks better in the ring right now than maybe a jericho might mr tubby bastard there um (laughs) (laughs) oh are we giving a stock down to chris jericho's waistline that that feels cruel (laughs) and unnecessary not a stock stock down a stock out um oh (laughs) anyway um, yeah, I, I was, I was stoked and you're right. This is a moment. Um, this dynamite, I'm going to ask you, Joel, have you, have, has there been a dynamite so far that made you feel like this one did last night? No. Cause this one made me feel nostalgic. This one made me feel like hopeful. I also just, I can't wait to see where the impact stuff goes. Like I'm so intrigued by all of that stuff. And honestly, before the stink, like that tag team match and the stink segment, stink segment, I thought, okay, this show's okay. But those two things just brought this dynamite to a completely 
other level. Yeah, I think it, there's a quantity quality equation here where there are other episodes of Dynamite where top to bottom, the work rate and the story development has been like broader uh, mm-hmm. and and higher quality work. But there hasn't been a single episode that had bigger moments, you know, so this really, really nailed it. There have been a lot of great episodes, big debuts, great stuff, but this was the top for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same here. Well, as much as I'd love to just talk about these two (laughs) segments for the rest of the show, uh, I do think we should move into lightning round and touch on everything else. Lightning round. All right, I'm going to jump in and go first here. I got to talk about Britt Baker and Layla Hirsch. I loved this match. I thought it was really well worked. Um, I find Layla Hirsch so compelling in the ring and her technique is fantastic. Uh, But I want to talk about Britt Baker and some of the improvements that she's made and uh, just the smoothness of her work has gotten so much better since the beginning of AEW. And uh, one spot that I was particularly struck by was how she got into the uh, submission finish at the end of the match, uh, the lockjaw. And she did a kind of twisting, rolling arm move to drag Layla Hirsch into position. And it just looked great. And stuff like that, is the polish that you need to really make that finisher shine. So I wanted to give a shout out to Britt Baker for her excellent work in that match. Yeah, that that match was fun. I think I just have to get used to watching uh, someone of Layla Hirsch's height because it reminds me of some of the, you know, when like some of these small, small cruiserweights in the past. It just takes a while to get used to them. Um, cause the height difference here, cause Britt Baker is one of the tallest women on the AEW roster too. So, um, but the match I thought was really fun. Uh, I think Layla Hirsch has a, a, um, a good style for AEW, And I love the post-match kerfuffle with, uh, Thunder Rosa. And if we get a tag match here with, you know, Thunder Rosa, Layla Hirsch versus Dr. Britt and Reba, um, maybe that's where they go or, Maybe we're we're just we're heading straight towards a one-on-one match between these two, which if they do, that hundred percent should be the main event of Dynamite if it's not on the pay-per-view. Um, I feel like those two talents deserve that. So yeah, yeah, I like I enjoyed it as well. Um, I'm gonna so for for reference real quick while we're on the topic. Um, Layla Hirsch is four foot eleven, and the nearest point of comparison I could think of quickly is uh, Thea Trinidad, who is five foot one. That's uh, Zelina Vega for the uh, uninformed. Yeah, she doesn't look that short. Zelina? She looks tiny. Yeah. I, I guess I guess the proportions are different, if that makes sense. Like, but not to go into a height debate, but um, yeah, I, I want to go into the Diamond Dynamite Battle Royal here. And man, I really wanted it to be MJF and Wardlow. I'm glad Cassidy... Uh, got some shine there and he's going to face MJF next week. But man, that would have been wonderful if it was Wardlow MJF. I was really hoping it was going to get down to, uh, well, you know, 
what they thought was going to get down to Sammy and uh, Wardlow with MJF and MJF like demand that uh, they do the right thing and, and vacate the ring for him and Sammy get out of the ring and then Wardlow throw MJF out and then we get Wardlow and Orange Cassidy. But you know, they're going to continue teasing this yep. Wardlow it's, it's turn. Not time. It's not time. I wanted it. I know it's not I'm, time. I'm so ready for it, though. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I'm ready for babyface Wardlow. Like, let's let's make it happen. I do have a prediction for this match next week. I think Sammy Guevara cost MJF the diamond ring. And I'm that is that. what ultimately leads to the fracture in the inner circle. And I kind of just wanted to see Orange Cassidy rock this annoying ring for the next year. <laughs> just like very casually rocking this ring. Um, but yeah, we'll see. But I really, really enjoyed that. And also props to Miro for fucking running train there for a bit. Way to make him look amazing. Yeah, he's very, very impressive. So I, I, uh, I enjoyed his work there as well. Uh, so it was a short segment, but something I wanted to talk about was the acclaimed. Uh, Max Caster has cut promos on people on AEW Dark a few times in the uh, you know rap cadence, a la Doctor of Thugonomics, uh, and he's great at it. He's really, really good at it, and uh, that was a gimmick that I always liked, uh, but. It, it never really fit for me with, with John Cena, I think because he's, you know, a white dude from rural Pennsylvania. Um, uh, he's from Massachusetts. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, All right. Who am I thinking of? Anyway, carry on. Um, <laughs> still, it, it never really fit for me. Um, and uh, I like Max Caster with this gimmick. Well, then you need to listen to John Cena's album because it's goddamn good, dude. <laughs> so this is harkening back to the beginning of the show. This is going to be one of those recommendations that I just skip. Oh, it's good. You should give it a shot. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. And I love a good rapping gimmick. I love the young buck saying, um, didn't someone already do this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which made me laugh and uh, made me uh Smile. I'm going to I'm going to stick with this segment. Holy shit, man. Watching the hybrid two, just freaking uh, shoot up the tag teams here, man. Awesome match against. Um, oh, what shit? What the what? Uh, the brothers. Top flight. Top flight last week, which was a really good match. And then them attacking the Bucks. And looky here, they have a match with the young Bucks next week. I thought the hybrid two was going to be used to elevate top flight. Apparently I was wrong. And. We're going to get some H2 near the top of the tag division right now, which I think is just awesome. I know you love them. I, I love them too. So props to them. That was really enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also want to put a, we kind of teased it, man, Jericho just does not look good in the ring right now. I, I don't know, man. And Frankie Kazarian can kind of work with anyone. And I just, that match really didn't do anything for me. And I, it just kind of feels like Jericho's kind of shot right now. What do you think, man? Yeah, it, it's not great. Um, (laughs) I, I haven't been a fan of Jericho's work 
for quite a while, um, really dating back to his stuff with Kevin Owens in the other wrestling company. It just hasn't been there for me in a long time. And, you know, he's made up for it with excellent character work and by surrounding himself with other people who can do all the things. Um, I, I did feel like in his last two matches that he was pulling out some, you know, more flashy spots, but they just aren't landing like that Spanish fly from died. the top rope. Yeah. I thought Kazarian was going to break his neck with the, the way he ended up coming down because the rotation wasn't correct. And, you know, we know that Kazarian can do that spot. Um, but it just, I, I don't know. It, it was not there for me. So, yeah, I think, I think it's at this point where he needs to be a, a special attraction slash manager. Maybe only wrestle a few times every couple weeks, maybe, maybe every couple months. But yeah, it's just, it's just not working there right now. And it's unfortunate because, you know, you mentioned yesterday, like Ric Flair put on one of the best matches of his career at 50, what, 58 when yeah. he fought Michaels? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird that Jericho is kind of taking this sharp of a turn down compared to, you know, what he, and maybe, maybe he wasn't all that great a few years ago, but maybe it's cause we weren't being exposed to indie style, AEW style wrestling. Maybe that was it, but yeah, it, it's definitely, it's definitely a miss there and kind of hope they, they take a look in the mirror and try to reevaluate how they want to use Jericho moving forward. Um, and by God, dude, do some crunches. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. You know, Lance storm is someone who has talked about, and we, we stand Lance storm on this podcast. Yes, we uh, do. <laughs> he's in my trunk right now. Um, <laughs> good reference. Um, <laughs> uh, Sorry, I just totally derailed myself there. It's funny don't to me that drive we, him off a bridge. Okay? It's funny to me that we use that term and and we don't ever think about like where the term came from and how horrible <laughs> yeah. it is. Uh, oh man, that song fucks though. I love that song. <laughs> um. Anyway, he's talked about how as a pro wrestler, like your body is part of the job, and I just don't think. Chris Jericho has been holding up his end of the bargain in that regard. And I don't want to get into like a, you know, gross body shaming space on this podcast because it's not a cool thing to do, but like Chris Jericho is, is kind of letting himself go a bit and I get it. Like life is weird right now. Um, but it's just been kind of part of this, downward spiral in terms of his work rate and uh I'm, I'm not really interested in seeing chris jericho matches anymore yeah it 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 feels like they decided that he was gonna try and bulk up and be bigger and try to kind of wrestle from a power standpoint but he just he just it looks sloppy it's not the not the jericho we're used to so i don't really know what they can do other than have him wrestle less. But yeah. And you know what, man, it, it's COVID, you know, like 
I put on a COVID bod this year too. So I get it, but my job's not to take off my shirt and wrestle for 20 minutes. So that's what it is. Anything else in lightning rounds? I think we spent a little too much time on Jericho and his, uh, yeah, I think, um, <laughs> honestly, I don't think I had anything else. So, um, I think that's it. Yeah. Cool guys. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the other wrestling show, Twitter at OWS underscore pod. Joel at the other Joel, me at Michael underscore Aranda. We have a bonus episode out. You can still find that on our feed uh, where we dive into my history of a wrestling fan. And we'll be releasing the follow up of Joel's history as a wrestling fan coming up here in the next few weeks. So be on the lookout for that. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're an Android guy like me, you can get it on any of the Android podcasting apps out there. And you can email us at the other wrestling show at gmail.com. I'd uh, love to hear from you. We're going to hopefully get you some more fun episodes here in the next few weeks. And uh, Joel, anything to add? Uh, as unlikely as it might seem, I think it's a good time to join the Dark Order. Oh, man, I meant to talk about the Dark Order saving Hangman. Shit. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling.